I hope that you will consider enrolling in Artios this next year. Many people have wondered, I wonder if I could go to seminary. And that's not a realistic option for you. Artios falls right between what you'll study in life group and what you would study in seminary. And for many of you, it'll be an opportunity to grow and to prepare for greater ministry. And so I want you to consider that. We have some who have completed the three years of RDOS training. Their pictures and names are in the front of this beautiful brochure that was handed out. And I just so appreciate each one of them. It is three years. Think of that. It is a commitment. There is lots of work involved, but these are folks who have done us proud. Now, they're going to be in one, this service or the next, but I think we've got some who are in. I saw Melody here, so I know we've got at least one in this service. Those of you who have finished this RDOS program this last year, would you stand where you are now and... Okay, right up here, back here, Galena. Who else? Yes. We are proud of you, thankful for you, and excited about what is ahead and in store for you. Also, I wanted to mention something else beyond Artios. Um, our women's minister, Elizabeth Oates, has been now awarded her doctorate degree from Liberty University, and so she is now officially Dr. Oates. And so I wanted to mention that to you. She's teaching a class right now. She'll be in the second service where I'll make her stand up and we'll all applaud. But if and when you see her, let her know that you really appreciate all that she's done. So grateful for all of you who serve. We have so many servants in this church. There are different ways we serve, but all of us have an important role. Now, this morning, we're going to finish a rather long series on faith. We've been looking at different aspects of faith. And today, I want to talk about faith and hope. Now, you can't distinguish faith and hope in any obvious sense because they melt together in Scripture. You might say that hope is, fa is faith standing on tiptoe, looking off into the future. If you have faith in God, then you have hope for the future. If you have hope for the future, solid hope, it's because you have faith in God. So the two go together. But when we talk about hope, we're talking about that that long view faith that enables you to endure through trials and testing. It gives you resilience through all the difficult times that you might face in life, and we all face difficult times. Those who don't have hope find it difficult to endure. In fact, they don't endure. You can't live fully if you live hopelessly. Now, it's not either or. I mean, it's not as if you are full of perfect hope or completely hopeless. We, there's a spectrum here and we fall one to one end or the other, but it's not completely either or. But you might wonder about yourself. You might be discouraged. You might be down. And do you have hope? Well, consider the language of hopelessness and it might help you to discern Things will never get better. There's nothing I can do. I'll never be happy again. I'll never get over what happened. I just want to give up. 
it's too late for me. Those are the sorts of words that people without hope say or think. And you may, you may recognize yourself in those phrases. Hopelessness. When you are hopeless, your life darkens, your spirit shrivels, your strength leaks out of your soul, and you're unable to cope. Faith and hope enables you to endure. Now, the Apostle Paul says some very important things about faith and hope, and he, he outlines it in a psychologically astute passage in Romans chapter 4. He's talking about Abraham, and he says, starting in verse 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said of him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Notice how that verse or that passage begins. Against all hope, Abraham nevertheless had hope. There was no hope, humanly speaking, because he was way past the ability to bear children. And so it was with Sarah. She couldn't bear a child. And so this couple had no hope of a child being born. But then God had promised there would be a son. So Abraham, Abraham considered the impossibility of it. He considered that he was as good as dead at his age. And he was considered the age of his wife, but he did not waver through unbelief. Against hope, he hoped because he trusted in the promise of God. He trusted that God's word was true. That in this war between circumstances and the word of the living God, it's the word of God that rules. And so he put his faith not in what he could see, but in what God had spoken. And so it is when we talk about faith, when we talk about hope, it's always about the word of God, putting our faith in God's word, trusting in his word in spite of what we may face. We hold on to God's word. We go to the scriptures. We find the promises. That's where we, we establish our faith, and that's what gives us hope. Whatever it is we face, the word of God, not some kind of shallow optimism, but the word of God. Maybe you've heard of Jim Stockdale. He was an admiral in our service. He was serving in Vietnam, and he was the highest ranking man with the Navy who was taken captive by the North Vietnamese. 
For nearly eight years, he was imprisoned and he was tortured more than 20 times during that period. Much of the time he spent in solitary confinement. You've heard of the Hanoi Hilton. Well, that's where Jim Stockdale found himself. His endurance was amazing. He, he refused to cooperate in spite of the torture. In fact, on one occasion, he took a stool and beat himself with it. Somehow got hold of a razor blade and disfigured himself so that the North Vietnamese would not be able to show him looking healthy and use it for propaganda purposes. He also would send through letters to his wife coded references to give information to pass along to the authorities. He knew that if he was ever caught, he'd be tortured again, but he did it anyway. During those years, Stockdale and other prisoners didn't really know if they would ever get out. In fact, there were many who doubted they would ever get out, ever see their families again. But he continued to believe that eventually he would prevail. Jim Collins, in his best-selling book, Good to Great, talks about having met Jim Stockdale and talked to him about his story, his experiences while he was captive. And he asked him the question, what about those who didn't make it, those who didn't survive, who didn't get home? Who were they? There's a really interesting statement. Put up that first slide, please. Oh, that's easy. The optimists. They were the ones who said, we're going to be out by Christmas. And Christmas would come and Christmas would go. Then they'd say, we're going to be out by Easter. And Easter would come and Easter would go. And then Thanksgiving and then it would be Christmas again, and they died of a broken heart. They were optimistic. Oh, yes, it's going to be soon, and it wasn't soon. It was weeks, then months, then years, and they could only have their optimistic hopes dashed again and again. They could only have them dashed so many times before they became hopeless and they couldn't, they couldn't survive it. That's not hope that we're talking about. That wasn't the kind of hope Abraham had. That's not the kind of hope that will enable you to endure. What will enable you to endure? The hope that's founded on the word of God, the promises of God, and the promises of God that never say you won't go through difficult times, but will tell you that you will make it through, that you will triumph in the end. Look at this next quote from Stockdale. This is a very important lesson. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. So Abraham considered that in spite of God's promise, what he would hope for, it couldn't be. It was impossible. Look at his body. Look at Sarah's body. He considered the facts as they were, the brutal facts. 
And yet, Paul says, he grew strong in his faith and gave glory to God. He gave glory to God exactly because he had faith. Because he had faith in the word of God, even though the brutal fact said it was folly. Against hope, Abraham in faith had hope. That's a remarkable, a remarkable example of how faith and hope go together and how you and I can survive the difficult times we sometimes face. Israel faced terribly difficult times in its history. None of those times were, were more challenging than when they were in exile. Babylon had destroyed Jerusalem and taken the people of Judah back to Babylon where the people are enslaved. And they know why they are there. They are there because they had disobeyed God. They had turned from God. God had warned them that if they turned from him, well, there would be consequences. They would start a chain of events that would inevitably lead to their demise. And so that's what happened. So they have no sense that God is still for them. How could they? Look at where they are. So they're suffering in exile, and they don't even have the comfort of believing that they were suffering because of their own righteousness. In fact, the opposite. Would they ever get back to their homeland? Would life ever return to normal again? It'd be easy to despair. In fact, some did despair. The book of Lamentations speaks of this period of time. I put my bookmark in the wrong place. Let me find it. It's right after Jeremiah. The book of Lamentations speaks of Israel at this very difficult time. In fact, the poems in Lamentations are written from the perspective of Israel. The nation itself speaks. And so at the beginning of chapter 3, which is the beginning of a new poem, it says, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. Later on, he talks about the bitterness and gall in his soul. Again, the he here refers to the people, Israel. But then look what it says, starting in verse 21. 20 says, I well remember, and my soul is downcast within me. Verse 21, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. They are new every morning. Your compassions never fail. These are the words of God's people when it looks as if they have failed as if God has turned his back on them and will have nothing more to do with them. Yet faith rises above. It rises above based on the word of the living God. 
God's compassions never fail. And remembering that, Israel says, I have hope. And so you can have hope as well. Just before the pandemic broke out, Linda and I, of course, not knowing the pandemic was going to break out, we took a little road trip. Now, you're going to wonder about this, but we went to Oklahoma City. And you wonder, why would you visit Oklahoma City? Some of you are from Oklahoma and you're thinking, well, wait a minute, Oklahoma City? But, you know, I mean, we're Texans and Texans, well... You know, Oklahoma's Oklahoma, but we went up to Oklahoma City. We had never been there. And I wanted to go to the Oklahoma City National Memorial that's there. You might remember the story. You might remember the tragic events. That's where Timothy McVeigh set off a bomb truck full of fertilizer, exploded, destroying the Edward P. Murrah building, killing 183 people, injuring over 800 others. What a horrible act of of domestic terrorism. I wanted to go there, and I said to Linda, I want to see the tree. I want to see the tree. What tree? There was an elm tree in the parking lot there, right by the Murrah building. And the bomb that went off when that truck exploded, it was just yards from that tree. And that tree was smashed and it was covered with debris and soot covered it. No one thought anything of it. They're trying to rescue people, and then they've got the, the terrible task of pulling out the debris and finding tragedy day after day. They're not thinking about the tree. And yet, and yet in time, that tree began to bud. It began to grow again. It had no business being alive, and yet it was alive. It was a stick of a tree after that explosion, but it began to bud. And people who survived this horrible event saw the resilience of that tree, and it became an emblem of the resilience that they felt they needed. So I said to Linda, I really want to see that tree. Would you put up the picture? This is a picture I took of it. In Oklahoma City, they call it the survivor tree. You see it there? It's a beautiful tree, but it's not the most beautiful tree you've ever seen. Some of you will be able to see it if you're up close. Those of you far away probably can't, but down To the left of the tree, a little below the center of the picture, there's somebody sitting there on a bench looking up at it. That's Linda as I take the picture. But we walked around there, and it felt like we were walking on holy ground, this extraordinary tree. Would you play the video, please? 
like the name, American Elm. I think that, that says it all. It's a strong tree. The thing about this very special tree is that it has seen so much in downtown Oklahoma City just since the time it, time it was a little bitty seedling uh, in somebody's front yard. No one knows how it ended up there, putting down roots in a parking lot miles from any forest. It's probably around 100 years old, but that's just a guess. As it grew, it was bent by the Oklahoma wind and should have been broken by the massive truck bomb that exploded here on April 19, 1995. The tree, anchored at ground zero, was only yards away. Now, there is a grandness that has spread throughout. Its branches have embraced every cycle of life, proof that when all seems lost, there can be rebirth. A reminder to never give up on living. A tree of life that daily shares with all its astounding story of healing, resilience, and survival. I have a real affinity for the survivor tree. I uh, worked in this building and would walk under that tree almost every day for about five years. The tree was um, just an abomination of a tree. It was one big trunk, small other trunk coming out like this and a few twigs for branches. I'd walk under that tree and I'd think, you are so ugly. Why is this tree still standing? I pass under that tree now. I say, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you have taught me such a wonderful lesson. It is not what is on the outside. It is what is on the inside of each one of us. The fact that this tree was, was able to withstand everything, I think, it, I think it knew it had something bigger than it, than it was destined to be. In my heart, that, that's how I, I really feel the spirit of this tree lived and continues to live. Some of you are survivors. I mean, you've survived trauma that cut to the very heart of your soul. I mean, it was, it was so difficult. Others of you even now are carrying burdens that are so very, very heavy. And there are people without hope who can't make it. They can't make it when they deal with, with the troubles and trials of life. But if you have hope, which is another way of saying, if you put your faith in the word of God and cling to that God and that word, then you will survive you will survive. And that's what hope enables us to do, to become survivors. That tree had no business living and nobody paid any attention until by its very tenacious hold on life, it showed itself to be an extraordinary, an extraordinary emblem of what can be done. That's what I pray for everyone here, that we will have the faith and the hope 
to endure. Abraham endured. It was all impossible, but against hope, he believed. So when trouble mounts up and overwhelms, when hope after hope disappoints, when it's too heavy and too hard and too late, it is then, precisely then, that grace seeps into the empty, aching places and gives you strength to hope against hope. It gives you strength to live. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, there are times when you require us to endure through difficult times, but you give us your word. Lord, we don't, we don't find strength in some shallow optimism because we know that our optimistic predictions often prove false. But we do believe in the promises that you have given us, the promises in Scripture. Lord, and we hold to those knowing that, that your word can be trusted and that your mercies are new every day, that you'll never fail us even when we have failed you. And we thank you for that, Lord, and pray that you would You'd open our minds and hearts to receive new strength this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to ask you to do something. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. Not everyone, but you may need grace to seep into your soul this morning to give you hope and strength to face the challenges that you face. Maybe it's, it's some health issue. It might be some family matter you're concerned about, a child, a brother, sister, a parent. It could be anything, but there's something you want us to pray for. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm also going to ask you to stand if you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, but you know that you need to, and you know you will never make it. You will never make it without him. You know that. That's why you're here. I'm going to invite you to stand at the same time, and we're going to pray for you. By standing, you are announcing you need forgiveness, and you're trusting Christ to come into your life and save you. If you want prayer or you want to receive Christ, would you stand now just right where you are? Just go ahead and stand. Thank you. Who else? Go ahead and stand. Amen. Amen. Across this room, don't, don't hesitate. You want prayer. Would you stand? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Okay. Yes, some others are standing. I know we hesitate. We hesitate. We come to church. We got it all handled, don't we? We got it all handled. We're dressed reasonably well. Smile on the face.
but you want prayer. Would you stand? Okay. If you're comfortable with it, would you just extend a hand in the direction of the people that are closest to you? Let's pray for them. Heavenly Father, we pray for these who have stand, who have stood rather. Lord, those who let us know that they want our prayers. And so we pray for them. We pray for your strength, Lord. Give them strong faith and strong hope. And with it, Lord, strong encouragement. We pray, God, that you would meet the need that is heavy on their heart. And that, Lord, as they look to you and trust you, that their faith would be strong and that they would give glory to you as they look to you for the answer. We commit them to your care and pray your blessing and your aid and your help upon them now in the name of Jesus. Amen.